We've been talking, if you're joining us, for the last couple of weeks about the My Strange Addictions, talking about things that uh, have become idols for us, things that we're addicted to, that we sacrifice for, that we pursue. Our ministry team helped us out with some visuals, and we hung a mirror from the first week. We talked about the, the God of, uh, of appearances, and then down below that, we talked about the God of stuff. This week, we're talking about the God of achievement, the visual of the, the trophies and the medals. Now, you don't know Taylor Hooten. He's a little bit past your age, but he was a, a Texas high school baseball player in one of the schools in Plano outside the, the Dallas area. So you don't know him, but there's, there's a chance, a pretty good chance, that you know someone like him or you will one day. When he was a junior in high school, played baseball, and he uh, got called up to the varsity, uh, pitched for the varsity team, got a save in one of the games, saved the game, you know, make sure that they won. Season came to an end, and he was going into his senior season, and, and Taylor's dream was to be one of the starting pitchers for that Plano baseball team. And so he started working out, started trying to, to realize that dream. Now, he had the frame for it. He was just about 6'3", just a hair under 6 foot 3 inches. He weighed 175 pounds, and during the offseason, he bulked up to his senior season to be about 6'3", 205 pounds. Now, he did it from hitting the weight room all offseason long, but he also did it by injecting anabolic steroids into his body. And he did it by taking some oral-based steroids because he had to become a starting pitcher on that varsity team. And over the course of that senior year, he went from a kid who, by, by the way people described him, had friends in all kinds of different circles. He wasn't just hey, friends on the baseball team and athletics. He had friends in all kinds of different circles. Girls liked him. You can tell he's a handsome-looking young guy. Great kid, everybody loved him, and he started to become grouchy and irritable. The steroids, one of the, the symptoms of it oftentimes, acne began to develop on his back and, and on his body. And he started even having fits of rage, started stealing from his parents. The crazy thing was, he probably didn't need it. See, his brother had pitched in, the, in college baseball. His cousin was Bert Hooten, who around here was one of the managers for the Round Rock Express not too long ago. He was a, a University of Texas baseball player who, who still owns several UT baseball records. He's one of the few people in major leagues baseball to never play in the minor leagues. He went straight from college, straight to a major league roster. And in the beginning of his second season, he pitched a no-hitter in the majors. I mean, this kid had it in his blood. I mean, he's going to be a fairly decent pitcher. But the God of achievement stepped into his life. What the God of achievement does, he starts whispering, you've got to do this. You've got one more thing you've got to do. If you'll just accomplish this, if you'll just do this, then everything will be okay. If you'll just take one more step towards this direction, then you'll find the satisfaction that you're looking for. The God of achievement whispers to you, you're not good enough on your own. If your resume doesn't have this and this and this, you're not going to be worth what you want to be worth. Now, here's, here's the sad thing. Achievement's not a bad thing. Attraction, being, being attractive, your appearance isn't a bad thing. Having stuff isn't a bad thing. Money isn't a bad thing. Achievement isn't a bad thing. But what happens is Satan starts to whisper that these things become more important than the, the real thing that brings satisfaction, which is Jesus. And so, we go through this and we try to achieve. And the hard thing for us is, is you and I, we're like prime candidates for this because of where we live, living in America. I mean, as a young kid, we're taught how important achievement is. 
Like if you ever did like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, I mean, of all the lessons it teaches, lots of great things. One of the lessons it teaches is that achievement's good. So if you're like a Boy Scout and you go, hey, I want to get the archery merit badge because I need those merit badges to become an Eagle Scout. You get the, the merit badge guide and tells you all the things you need to do for archery. And once you've accomplished all of these things, all of this task list, all these to-dos, then you get rewarded with the badge. We even do it like in the church. Like we have Awanas for like kids. You memorize this verse, we'll give you this badge. Now again, memorizing verses, learning archery, getting badges, not a bad thing. That's fine, wonderful. But it's when it becomes our God, when it becomes an idol, something that we sacrifice for and pursue at the expense of time in a relationship with Jesus is when things go haywire. So you got it as a Boy Scout, Girl Scout, you get into high school. And let's be honest, most everybody in here would love to have a letter jacket. To, 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 and here's the thing, I, I've never really understood this. Now, I'm not athletic, so I, you know, maybe this is me. But I, I talk to students all the time that like, they have a chance to be on the varsity. And, and they're like a sophomore or a junior. And they choose to be on the varsity where they're never going to play. They're going to practice all week long. They're never getting into a game because they're, they're at the bottom of the bench where the coach said, we're going to put you on the varsity. They choose that, practice and not playing, over being a starter on the JV. Why? So I want a letter jacket. I want that symbol of achievement. I want that patch that has my name that says to everybody, hey, I am varsity. I am something. I understand. I mean, when I was in high school, I would love to have a letter jacket. Unfortunately for me, I went to Colleen High School. We had maroon letter jackets with gray sleeves. And what they did when I was in high school is if you were like, if you did good in academics, if you were like on the honor roll, you got an academic letter jacket, which that was kind of like, I was, that, uh, academics was kind of my thing. I was a nerd. But here's what they did. They gave all the athletes the maroon letter jacket with gray sleeves. If you were a nerd, you got a maroon letter jacket with maroon sleeves. Your letter jacket didn't look like everybody else's. So when you put the letter jacket on it that said, I achieved, everybody went, yeah, you achieved being the biggest nerd in the school. That's what you achieved, you know. And so I never wore that letter jacket. I wanted one of the gray sleeves. You go to college, graduate with honors, graduate from a prestigious university, say that I've achieved. And then you go to you go to the workplace and, and, and you start working to get that corner office. You start working to get that promotion. And it's not even about the money. That's the God of stuff. It's about, it's about saying I'm it, saying I'm the team leader. And on and on and on, we chase after this dream that if I'll just achieve this, this next milestone, then I'll be satisfied. I'm not going to read it to you. I, I talk with your parents on Sunday mornings in here, many of them. One of your dads sent me an email this week. And he, he, he lined out his entire testimony. I should have brought it and read it. We just don't have time for it. And he said, man, when, what you talked about this morning, this, what I'm talking to you about tonight, he said, I lived. And he went through and lined out his life. And he said, what I found out was the more I achieved, the emptier I got. Because it never satisfied. And I felt like I just had to have, if I just have more, then it'll matter. And it wasn't until God broke him and, and, and shone the light on his life that he was worshiping the God of achievement that he radically transformed his family and started chasing after Jesus rather than, rather than achievement. Because here's the bottom line. Here's the truth of the matter. There, there is nothing you can achieve, there's nothing that you can do that at the end is going to out-achieve what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection, right? And that's been offered to you for free. It's called the, the graceful gift of God that God says, you know what, you can experience 
the cross, forgiveness for sin. You can experience my resurrection, healing from sin, and one day heaven. You can have all that. You can have satisfaction. You can have a relationship with God, which is what you were made to be, and experience life for what it is. You don't even have to hold your resume up to it. At the end of the day, you can come to Jesus with this great resume. I graduated honors. I was on the all-state team. You know, I did this and I did that. I was on leadership track in my church. And then I went to college and I graduated magna cum laude. I was, I was the youngest CEO of the corporation. And you can line out all of that resume and go, here it is, I've achieved. And God's going to go, cool, I died for the sins of mankind and resurrected myself. And you're going to go, huh, okay. Lots of presidents of companies, lots of CEOs, lots of magna cum laude graduates, not a lot of people who died for the salvation of mankind and rose from the dead. Your achievements won't matter in comparison to the achievements that Jesus has already achieved and offered for you to experience and be a part of. I want you to look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to read this passage of Scripture and then look at one more. Luke chapter 10, we'll pick up a story. We looked at it. It was either in here or in church not too long ago. But I want to look at it from a different perspective. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus meets or goes to the home of a lady named Martha and her sister Mary. And here's how the story comes out. Verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Here's what the God of achievement does. The God of achievement distracts you and I with stuff to do. Our to-do list, our task list. For Martha, she's got Jesus in her home, and that's a pretty big deal. I mean, even if people hadn't figured out at the time who he was, he was still a rabbi, he was still a person of influence, and Martha's going to have him in her home, and so she's going about doing the things that she sees are important. I mean, she's She's getting food ready. She's making sure the house is clean. She's making sure everybody's got the coats hung up, making sure everybody's comfortable. And her sister Mary, who Martha thinks should be helping her because of this momentous occasion, Mary's sitting down listening to Jesus. And Martha comes and goes, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And Jesus goes, Martha, you're missing it. The to-do list, not bad. I mean, cleaning the house, getting prepared for guests, not a bad thing. That wasn't sinful. But he said, Martha, you've got this moment where I'm here and you're being distracted by all the things to do that you think are important, that you think are going to make today eventful and successful. But really what would make today successful, Martha, is if you sat down and spent time with me. That's what Jesus said. The God of, God of achievement distracts us by all the things that we think we need to do. And here's what happens. And you understand this. How many times have you finished the day and accomplished a lot? You got all your homework done. You, you went to practice. You've checked everything off of the list that you needed to do today except for spend time with God. Right? Anybody feeling that? Got everything that you thought was important, and at the end of the day, you had a list, man, I want to spend time with God. I want to memorize the scripture. I want to spend some time just praying. I want to spend time growing this relationship with God. But at the end of the day, you ran out of time. Everything got done but that. 
That's the God of achievement whispering to you, do all of these things and you'll find satisfaction. And Jesus is going, if you want real satisfaction, you want real life, be a Mary and not a Martha and come sit at my feet. Stuff will get done. Stuff will, the world's not going to stop spinning if you don't get your to-do list done. I'm going to tell you this. Academics are important. My daughter, today, we got to celebrate because she got A on a roll. Fantastic. Man, I'm happy for her. I want her to have that. But at the end of the day, the world will not stop spinning if she misses one of the things to do on her to-do list. Honestly, if, as a dad, and some of your parents will not agree with this, and I understand that. As a dad, I would rather have my daughter be a C student and love Jesus with all her heart than be an A student and be distracted from the heart of God. Not all of your parents can agree with that, but some of them will. Because at the end, she's going to spend eternity with Jesus and that relationship is more important than anything else. Now, I'm not telling you academics aren't important. I'm telling you your football team and your extra, those, those are good things. They just cannot become in the presence. Remember we talked about the first week? An idol, something that's in the presence of God. And so you have Martha and Mary. Now, imagine this. Well, let me, let me, here, here's a couple of warning signs. If you're wondering, do I worship God of achievement or just maybe, maybe I just you know, am good at stuff. Here's one warning sign. If you ever get frustrated with people because they're not achieving like you think they should, they're not pulling their weight, they're not doing things like you think they should at the pace you think they should, if you're on a sports team and you've got a guy who's trying his hardest or a girl that's doing her best, but, but they're just not doing it like you think they should is good and you get frustrated with them, you may be loving the idea of achievement. Or more likely, if you ever get frustrated with yourself, because you're not accomplishing all of the goals that you thought you should. We do a thing called leadership track. And I have to tell leadership students all the time, they get this book of leadership principles and things they're supposed to do. Nobody's ever finished it in a year. I use it. I never finish it in a year. But we have students that go, I have to do all of these things. If I don't check off everything in this leadership track, then I'm a failure. That's the God of achievement using a good thing and convincing you that the leadership track is more important than the principle that's supposed to accomplish drawing you close to God and building you to be a leader happens all the time. You get frustrated with yourself. You get angry with yourself because you're not achieving. You're not finishing like you should. That might be a sign. I'm saying it. it might be a sign that you need to take some notes as we're talking through the rest of this uh, evening. One day, Martha probably had some grandchildren. Now imagine this. Martha's grandchildren come to her 30, 40 years down the road. Jesus now died on the cross for the sin of the world. He's been resurrected. Christianity has begun to move. And her grandchildren come to her and they go, Grandma Martha, is it, is it true that Jesus was in your house? And Martha goes, yeah. They go, Martha, Grandma Martha, is it true that Jesus sat right here? Jesus sat here in this living room where we're standing. And she goes, yes. And they go, what was it like? What did he say? What did he do? And Martha's response is, I don't know because I was in the kitchen. How tragic would that be? How sad would that be to look at your grandchildren and go, Jesus was present and I missed it. And the question that we've got to wrestle with tonight is how many God-ordained moments has he engineered to spend with you? How many divine moments of, of inspiration, of teaching, how many, how, how many times has God been yelling for you, maybe whispering you, but maybe yelling for your attention, and you missed it 
because you were so consumed with the stuff you had to do. It's going to be a shame one day when your grandkids come and go, tell me about when you were a teenager and what Jesus did in your life because grandma, grandpa, I want to chase after you. And, and, and you have to look at him and go, you know, I was a believer, but I just, I just wasn't really that close to Jesus when I was your age. And they walk off to be discipled by somebody else. Don't let the God of achievement convince you that achieving is more important than Jesus. And that's what happens possibly with Martha. But you know, it, it's sad because we live in this world. There's a, you probably don't remember this movie because it's not really a, a movie like students go to I never even saw it. There was a movie that came out called the, the Joy Luck Club. And it was based off of a book by a lady named Amy Tan. And Amy Tan is a prolific writer. Uh, she's written about kind of immigration experience and what minority life is like in America. And she wrote the Joy Luck Club. And, and in an interview about the book, she was talking to the interviewer and she was telling about her life growing up. She said, my mom was, a, was, was all about achievement. She said, I knew growing up that my mom, if I wasn't going to be a neurosurgeon during the week and a concert pianist on the weekend, I would be a disappointment to my mom. She didn't do that. She went and became an author. She writes the Joy Luck Club, and it goes to, to, to number four on the New York Times bestseller list. That's a pretty big deal. Fourth best book around. She told her mom, Mom, my book has got to number four on the New York Times bestseller list. As an adult, her mom looked at her and said this, What happened? Who's number three and number two and number one? Isn't that a shame? That even a great moment that we should celebrate, because achievement's not bad. Achievement, I mean, it's fantastic. She got the number four in the New York Times bestsellers. Now to celebrate that, but instead of being able to celebrate this great accomplishment, mom ruins the occasion because mom is worshiping the God of achievement that says you should have done a little bit more because three is better than four, and two is better than three. And you know what happens if your book goes number one? Your next book has to go number one, or you're a disappointment as well because you didn't achieve like you did before. Is that the life you want to live? Sounds like achievement sounds great until the veil gets pulled back and we see what really happens. And Jesus knows that. He says, listen, it ain't, it, it ain't going to pay off for you. You're not going to find what you want out of life. And there's a guy named Paul who wrote some letters in the New Testament. I want you to flip over. This is the last time I have you flip to Philippians chapter 3. Go back towards the back of your Bible. If you're in Luke, flip back four or five books. You'll get to a book called Philippians. In chapter 3, Paul lists out for, for these people at the church of Philippi all the things that he's done. Now, here's this. Paul was a high achiever. Paul would have fit in great in, in, in where we live. He would have been an honor student. He would have been, you know, all state. And what he, did. He, he achieved. And he lists out in Philippians chapter 3 the things that he did. Now, listen to what he says, uh, looking in verse 4. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. He's saying, I've done a lot of good things. If anyone else, any of you guys thinks you have reason to brag or have confidence in the flesh, I've got more. I circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. When people think about Jewish people, I'm like the poster child. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. You want to talk about who knows the law? I taught the law. I memorized the law. I was a leader of the law. I was a Pharisee. I was, I, I was a rank that no one else was. As the zeal, how passionate I was, I was a persecutor of the church. I, I, chased after, I chased after my religion so much that I actually killed people in the name of my religion because I'm that kind of achiever. As to righteousness, doing the right thing under the law, blameless. 
You couldn't have found something that I did wrong. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, whatever achievements, whatever resume pieces I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I take my resume and achievements and I count them as loss because Jesus is better. Now look at this. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know what rubbish is? Trash. He says, I count all of my resume, I count all of my stuff, all the things I've achieved as trash when compared to knowing Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. We're reading an English translation of the Greek. And when people translated your Bible, they didn't want to translate the word that Paul actually used there because they were afraid it might be offensive, so they got something really close. And they said, they said Paul says it's trash. You know what that word is? Paul said, all of my achievements, all of the stuff I've done, it's like, it's like I've walked out into my front yard and the neighbor's dog came through and they didn't bring their plastic gloves or their bag and the neighbor's dog did his business in your front yard. You could call that trash or waste. It is. But Paul means something a lot heavier. Paul goes, all of my accomplishments, everything I've achieved, it's like that pile of dog poop in the middle of the yard. That's what he compares his resume to. And he says, because there's nothing, nothing that compares to knowing Jesus. Because no matter what you achieve, it will never accomplish what the cross and the resurrection accomplished. It will never happen. So what do you do? You pray that you don't become Taylor Hooten. Remember the guy I told you about at the beginning? Kids started doing steroids because the God of achievement whispered, you've got to do more. If you can just be a varsity baseball player, if you'll just do this, then your life will be successful. Well, finally told his brother that he was taking steroids. His parents started getting suspicious. They actually drug tested him. They drug tested him at a time. I don't know if, it, if he was on a break or what, but he passed the drug test, and so the parents didn't, could, couldn't prove it. Tried to get off the steroids. But he began to miss that, really, actually, he says the, the euphoria of it, and he missed the aggression it created in him. Still stealing from his parents and got in an argument with his parents one night as a senior in high school. His parents laid down some discipline. They grounded him. He storms off to his room, and Taylor Hooten went into his bedroom and hung himself and took his own life. It's a kid who had the world going for him, good-looking, a baseball player, had it in his blood. Everybody liked him. Girls liked him. But the God of achievement said, you're just not good enough like that. You've got to do a little bit more. And the enemy came in and tricked him and lied to him, and it ended up costing him his life. You've got to avoid that. I want to give you a few things, a couple things before we run out of time that you can do. The first thing is, I'm going to tell you just up front, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that that is the first step. It's saying, I'm not going to worship the God of achievement. I'm not going to worship the God of stuff. I'm not going to worship the God of appearances. I'm going to worship Jesus, and you need to give your life to Jesus. Some students have done that tonight. In a minute, you're going to see them walk through the, the waters of baptism to, to tell us, hey, that's happened in my life. You need to talk to somebody tonight if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus. That's, that's the first thing. If you're a believer, there's some things that you need to think through to make sure that the God of, a, of achievement doesn't filter his way in your life. And here's the first thing you need to do. You need to make sure that you are Sabbathing. Now, that's a Hebrew word. It means resting. 
God commands it. God tells us that one day a week, out of every seven days, there ought to be a day in your life where you just rest. You spend time worshiping God. You spend time breathing deeply. You spend time putting the homework aside. You take a break from the ball field just to rest and to recreate yourself and, and to, to take a step back. And one thing that it does is it teaches you that the to-do list, all the things that you had to do, that they're going to be there on the next day and the world won't stop spinning. That's one of the things it teaches. But see, we look at this, and there's some parents in the room, and parents, we, could, we would all agree with this. Every parent in here would tell you this. The Sabbath seems impractical. Not just for you, we get it. I mean, God says don't murder. That's one of the God things God expects us to. And like everybody in the room, we're all like, that's a good idea, right? I mean, everybody goes, I agree, I agree, murdering bad. God says, hey, you got to have sex inside the bounds of marriage. Now, some people don't do that. But most people who don't do that still, especially if they're believers, they look back later and they go, God was right. And they go, yep, God was right. I might have messed that up. I mean, I guess some people might have messed up and murdered as well, but they're a little bit more scary to me. You know, they might go, I messed up. I messed up sex. God was right. But then God says, don't murder. Have sex inside marriage. And God says, hey, you need a Sabbath. And for some reason, we're like, wink, wink, sure, God. You know, whatever, Sabbath. I don't even know what that means. That's like a Hebrew word. That's Old Testament. And we would say this, God, you don't really understand. That's impractical. God, you don't, that's, that doesn't work today. You know what doesn't work? looking at the designer, God, and going, you don't understand how the design works. God goes, what do you mean it's impractical and doesn't work? I made you. I know how you work. And you know what happens for people who don't Sabbath? Because they're chasing the God of achievement. They live a life that's less than what God made it for. And the sad thing is most of them don't even know. They go, oh, my life is pretty good. My life is great. Now, a lot of times they end at the end of the day going, man, there was so much more. But they're at this stage in their life, and they're going, there might be a student that goes, man, and you might be this, and you, seven days a week, you're go, 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 go. You don't have time to rest. You don't have time to worship. And you go, my life, it, it's going pretty good. That may be true for now. You may not have bought them out, but you know what else is true? You're living life at maybe 75% or 80% of the way God designed it, and you don't even know that you're not living it at 100%. You don't even know that there's something better. Because this is all you've experienced because our culture has said, don't stop, pedal to the metal, go, do, check off list, achieve, succeed. And God's going, you know what? That'll come in due time. You need to rest. Because when you rest, you'll be more creative. You'll be more successful. You'll be wiser. All the things you're trying to achieve, you're burning out on because you're going, going, going. You're never replenishing. You got to figure out how to stop. And it is, it is hard, hard to stop. But you got to figure it out. Here's the second thing. Sabbath, and you've got to schedule your priorities. Not prioritize your schedule. That's what achievers do. Here's my schedule. I've got to, you schedule priorities. What's important? Is time with Jesus important? Then it needs to be a priority on your schedule. See, i got two daughters. I've talked about this a lot. One of the things that's important to me, a priority, is that my daughters know their dad loves them. And so every quarter I sit down and I, and I put dad-daughter dates on the calendar. And I can try to come with creative stuff things that they'll remember, things that are fun. I do that with my wife, and I do that as a family. And you know what? Sometimes those days come. A Saturday comes up, and I'm tired. I use Friday as my Sabbath, and I'm still tired on Saturday. i got stuff to do. And I look at that, and I go, I've got a dad-daughter date plan. i got a thousand things that I need to do. But what I've remembered and remind myself is my daughters and their relationship with their dad is more important than any of the things that I have to do. And it goes on the calendar. And if you call me and go, hey, can you come help me do this? I'm going to go, no, I can't because I already have something on the calendar. 
because I have scheduled my priorities. I've said that they're important. And, I, and I'm not going to go away from those things. And if walking with Jesus is important, you've got to schedule time. Now, as you grow in your faith, you start talking to Jesus throughout the day. You go to class and you're talking to him. You're hanging out at lunch with people and you're talking to him. And you're finding God moving. You're looking at times to read scripture. But even still, even people who are great men and women of the faith, they still schedule time to do disciplines, to meditate, to have intentional times of prayer, to meet with other believers, and to share in the word. You have to schedule your priorities. And what your answer to me, most people will be, is this. They'll say, I just don't have time. Here's a survey done. They asked 10,000 people this question. Do you lie about how busy you are? And 51% of people said yes. They go, oh, yeah, I tell everybody I'm busy. And I, go, I can't do that. I'm so slammed. And they feel it. But in reality, we could go check your Twitter timeline. Or if you're still on Facebook, we could check Facebook. We could go through your phone and pull up your texts. I mean, they're time stamped. And we could see how much time you spend texting your friends and on Twitter we could go to your DVR and go back to the things that have been deleted that you finished, and we go back and find out how much you've watched. I mean, in reality, we got more time than we think we do. It's just what's the priority? It's just what are we going to schedule? What are we going to say that's most important? I'll read you one quote, and then we're going to close up. Now, if you've ever heard of Judd Apatow, he think Will Ferrell movies, Seth Rogen movies, all the movies that you guys laugh at that none of us should probably be watching. Um, Guys produced these, he's written them. I mean, he, he's at the top of the game, right? I mean, he's making millions off of his movies. I'm going to read you this quote from him. The interviewer of Rolling Stones asked him, they said, you've said that as an entertainer, all the success in the world won't heal you. And Judd Apatow replied, it doesn't do anything. All the success in the world, it doesn't do anything. There's a great distraction in thinking, when I get to the top of that hill, it's all going to be awesome. And then when you get to the top of the hill, you're like, oh, I guess now I have to really deal with my problems because that didn't work at all. Here's a guy who's achieved. He's Hollywood. He's actors and actresses. He's money. He's made more movies than most people could even dream about making. And he said, I kept chasing that achievement to the top of the hill, and I got to the hill, and I arrived, and I went, this isn't all it. Now, I want you to understand this. The God of achievement is going to tell you, keep climbing the hill. Keep going up the hill. But in reality, the only hill that matters, the only hill that's worth climbing is one that the Scripture calls Calvary or the hill of the skull. And it was this hill that at the end of Jesus' life, he carried a cross most of the way and then another guy carried it the rest of the way. And he was nailed to a cross and he hung on that hill and he died for your sins and mine. And three days later, he's buried in a tomb near that, or right after that, he's buried in a tomb near that hill. And three days after that, he defeated death and was resurrected and is alive today. That's the only resume that matters. It's the only one that gets you into heaven. If you've bought into the lie that if you can just be good enough, if you'll just be good enough and you'll go to heaven, that's the God of achievement. And that is not what the Bible teaches at all. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. There's no resume that trumps the death on cross and resurrection from the grave that Jesus had. And that's yours. Here's what I want you to do. I've got 
four of us that are going to be baptized tonight. I'm going to ask you, if you're going to be baptized tonight, just to come over. We talked about line up over here. I'm going to ask the rest of you to bow your heads for a second. I just want you to be quiet for a minute as they're getting ready. And I want you to answer this question just to yourself. How good do you have to be to be happy? What do you have to accomplish to find satisfaction? All those things that are running through your head, the things that you're trying to do, the things you're trying to accomplish, the people that went before you and accomplished them all, have found one of two things. That life was still empty when they accomplished it. Or that all of that stuff was a big pile of dog dung. And without sounding silly or crass, do you want to spend your life chasing that pile? Because the God of achievement will tell you it's worth it and he'll leave you wanting. Let's pray.